Smoke and Mirrors, my weekly market review, 21st of May, 2023. The S&P 500 is at exactly the same level as it was two years ago. That's a lot of angst and stress expended for no net change in 24 months. As if to emphasize the point, the stock market spent large portions of last week just churning sideways on very low volume as traders monitored the reported progress in debt ceiling negotiations. These dreary spells were occasionally punctuated by bursts of activity as one carefully managed clues were tactically released about how the debt ceiling negotiations might be going, and two, Fed officials suddenly got very talkative again. There are now just 10 days left until Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's June 1st deadline for when the government runs out of cash. Investors are pricing in higher risk to anything maturing within a short time of that projected date, which is why the one-month U.S. Treasury bill has become the preferred barometer for sentiment towards the debt negotiations. The higher the yield, the more concern there is. See the U.S. Treasury interest rate yield curve in my report for the latest reading. Perhaps an anonymous White House staffer put it best, when they apparently said that passing the debt ceiling increase is like passing a kidney stone. We all know it will pass. It's just a question of how difficult it will be. Investors held their collective breath amid the latest pile of nonsense coming out of Washington, D.C. on Monday, which saw the lowest daily trading volume of the year so far on the New York Stock Exchange. Things ratcheted up a little on Tuesday, when McCarthy bizarrely bleated that the two sides were somehow simultaneously miles apart and yet maybe really close to a deal that might be just around the corner. Biden pulled a classic drama queen PR stunt, saying that he will cut short a very important Asian trip to come back early to ride to the rescue. Later in the week, the spin went into overdrive, with suddenly optimistic bulletins being pushed out from both sides, each desperately trying to look like the good guy. But then on Friday, under increasing pressure from their own burn-it-all-down members to break off talks, the Republican delegation surprised precisely nobody by staging a hissy fit, flouncing out of the negotiation meeting and declaring the talks paused. The stock market eye-rolled, sighed, and gave back the day's gains. Smoke and mirrors. I suggest not believing a single thing you hear from either side until a deal is officially done or once the nation is in a death spiral, whichever option it is these clowns choose for us. Since 1960, Congress has acted 78 separate times to permanently raise, temporarily extend, or revise the definition of the debt limit, 49 times under Republican presidents and 29 times under Democratic presidents. It's obviously got a lot of precedent, and it's not hard to do. Just do it, FFS. We need to move on to address other, much more important stuff, not get wrapped up in completely unnecessary self-inflicted wounds. 
Generally hawkish commentary from multiple Fed officials reminding us that the battle against inflation is still far from won means that it may now be a much closer call than we first thought whether the Fed committee continues raising rates or pauses at the next meeting in June. Markets at one point even indicated a one in three probability of a hike up from just 12% only a week ago before falling back again on Friday after the debt talks collapsed. The price of shares in Home Depot fell hard on Tuesday after the biggest US home retailer reported a more than 4% drop in year-on-year revenue, missing expectations by the biggest margin in 20 years and gave pretty depressing forward guidance. More generally, however, retail sales on a national level increased in April although the headline number was slightly lower than expected. The core number that excludes auto and gas sales was encouraging, however, with the best showing put in by online stores and restaurants and bars. This all suggests that consumer spending is broadly holding up in the face of continued economic difficulties, including inflation and high borrowing costs. When you aggregate and analyze the appropriate data, you definitely see that the odds of a soft landing, that is, inflation eventually conquered with no recession or at worst a mild one, still remain higher than those of a hard landing. To be clear, this analysis does not mean a hard landing won't happen, but so far it is not happening. Yes, the economy is clearly slowing, but not at the pace that we'd consider yet puts it puts us into hard landing territory. I will, of course, be keeping an eye on and sharing with you how these odds develop over time. And there has been a recent spike in weekly jobless claims that bears watching. But at this point, it's the softies who seem in better position than the hard men. This is helping support stock prices. Indeed, the S&P 500 hit new 2023 highs at one point last week. And the Nasdaq even reached its highest level in over a year. First quarter 23 earnings season is almost over. The overwhelming expectation was that S&P 500 company earnings would fall close to 7% last quarter from the previous one. The fact is they've only fallen about 2%. As Bank of America put it last week, It is dangerous to underestimate corporate America's margin preservation skills. Stock markets are priced for a pause, a quick pivot, and then multiple rate cuts by early next year. Anything less could well be a problem. The concentration of this year's gains in a small number of big tech names makes the S&P 500 vulnerable to a sell-off if they start to lose value, even if everything else rallies higher. Indeed, the massive irony is that if investors start to put money to work in other sectors, pivoting away from focusing on just these monster names, a buying spree could even be the catalyst for something of a sell-off at the index level.